Hurricane Ian has caused historic devastation throughout Florida, leaving over 100 dead and destroying homes and critical infrastructure. All of the extreme inequalities of the capitalist system are on display in the wake of this massive disaster. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarek, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, I mean, let's just start by talking about the scale of this disaster. I mean, this is a hugely powerful hurricane that slammed into Florida. It also did massive, massive damage in Cuba and then subsequently flooded other parts of the United States that were not Florida. So how how bad is this? I mean, how devastating is the aftermath of this? And, and what can we see so far from the government's response? Well, you know, the human race has been around for thousands of years. And during that time and right up to the present, it has noticed, unless it was awfully blind, that nature can bring extraordinary difficulties and dangers and does so from time to time. Whether it's terrible heat or drought or floods, whether it's pandemics from bacteria, from viruses, from animal diseases of one kind or another. I mean, it's literally endless. And human beings have learned over time two important lessons. One, that there are things you can do to prepare for and to cope with these disasters. You study carefully each one, and hopefully you'll get better when it comes to preparing for and coping with the next one. And the second thing human beings have learned is that you need to get together with other people to make an effective preparation and to make an effective coping or response to these catastrophes. That is, here we go, collective action, social action, action in which groups of people get together to help each other are a way to cope. And so, for example, if you have a village 
and one part of the village is hit by a flood. You mobilize everyone in the village to work on that part of the village that needs sandbags to prepare or that needs digging to maintain or control the damage, etc., etc. And so people who weren't flooded go and help in the neighborhoods that were flooded so that when the reverse happens, which it will sooner or later, that the others that you helped will come and help you. And so, yes, it is horrible what happened to Florida, the devastation, the dead, the the people who, by the way, the majority of whom did not afford to buy insurance, flood insurance and so on. And they are really ruined on a, on a scale that boggles the mind, even if you assume federal assistance will help them. We can see in all of this the fact that the lessons have not been learned. I mean, it is grotesque what we are seeing, and it makes the suffering of those people worse. It makes the spectacle of their suffering for the rest of us worse, knowing it could have been less, it could have been prepared for better, it should have been. And it forces us to ask the question, why wasn't that done? Why weren't there many more facilities to manage evacuation? Why were there not preparations? I mean, hurricane damage in that part of the United States is a regular phenomena. The only question each year is exactly where and when, but not whether. And if you even occasionally miss a year, you know that next year you're going to see it again. And that's been true, as I say for a very long time. Why weren't the roads better handled? Why weren't there shelters better prepared? Why aren't there barriers built where it could be? You know, it's extraordinary to watch, as you put it at the beginning, the exposure. You know, the people who have the least amount of money are the ones who are going to suffer the most here. They didn't have insurance. That's a big suffering right there. They're going to be dependent on the political football of federal and state assistance, which again will go to the people who have the most money or the best political connections. And those tend to be the people in the top 10 or 20 percent. The rest of the people will wander out of Florida or crowd into less good neighborhoods, which means they'll be less protected for the next hurricane. It's a spectacle that makes you want to cry. But let's be honest, and on a program like this one, we can risk it. Let's be honest about what some of the problems are. Let's begin with the biggest one, the profit system. The profit system, for example, and this is true not only in Florida, but across the country, means that we allow something as fundamental as shelter, housing, homes. Every one of us needs a place to sleep, a place to relax, a place to recoup from the day's work, etc., etc. Housing is a human requirement, like food, like water, like clothing. But we don't handle it in the way that we ought to as a human right to housing. No, no, no. We make it a business between the need for housing 
and the ability of us as a people to build the housing we need, between the need and the capacity to produce, we insert the middleman, we used to call it, the guy who's in the business of building homes. And let's watch how they work. They're in the business to make money. They're not in the business to provide housing for people. That's the end result. They're not interested in what happens to the house. They build it, they sell it, and they're on to the next profit-making activity. Their interest is to sell it as fast as they produce it and to make the most money they can. So they talk it up. They make it sound better than it is. That's what's called advertising. They all do it. And you know one of the things profit has led them to do? Build housing on land that is near the water. But of course, if it's near the water, it may be at risk for flooding, for water-related problems, you know, like hurricanes. And so that means that if you're smart and you have an understanding of the history of the human race dealing with housing too close to floodable water, you don't build there. We don't do that. The profiteers want to build there. They know people will pay big bucks to view the water or whatever else is going on. If there are some local politicians who are saying, oh, no, 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 we won't allow you to build there, they work real hard to use their profits to get rid of those politicians and replace them with others who will do their bidding, who will relax or remove the zoning arrangements that protect the coastline and protect people's lives. The whole profit system erodes every protection people have enlarged, have built over the years. It's almost as if we're fighting a civil war. The needs of our people, which is for safe, secure, affordable housing, against all of the people wrapped up in the business, the business of making profits from housing. And we're then falling all over ourselves, dealing with the results. Look at the unfairness of the people who didn't have insurance. You know why? We could insure ourselves. Many businesses in America do what's called self-insurance. They discovered that by having a small fund and maintaining it themselves, they can take care of the insurance needs of their own employees much more cheaply than going out and buying an insurance policy, which has to, of course, yep, make a profit for the insurance company. Well, if businesses themselves are doing it, Explain to me why we don't do that, for example, by the state of Florida, for the state of Florida. Much cheaper. No one has to make a profit. You collect a little bit of money from everybody, and it's there as a fund to help. And it then would help everybody. There would be nobody left out because it would be insurance for everybody who's a citizen and can show I lived in Florida, I have a home that was washed away in the hurricane, you qualify. It's not a question of how much money you have, whether you can afford an insurance company or not. 
My understanding is majority of the destroyed homes in Florida by Ian are not or were not insured. That just hurts the people at the bottom like everything else in the capitalist system. Only the people at the bottom is a better than half the people of Florida in terms of this insurance. This is an injustice that's about to be done. Poor people are no more responsible for a hurricane than rich people, but poor people are going to be hurt, hurt by this. I don't mean by poor people, folks who don't have enough. I mean people who are middle class, who had a home, who had a condo, who had a co-op, whatever they had. So the, the injustices are really not about the storm, but about the failure to prepare for a storm with an insurance for everybody. And then you have, and I don't want to go on forever with this, but then you have the pathetic display that we saw in the days immediately after Ian, when the entire Republican Party, which is strong in Florida, had its congressional representatives, its senators voting against the federal assistance. Why? They gave the the weirdest reason in the world. Because in the bill that would have sent a bunch of support from the federal government to Florida, a bill looking very similar to bills in the past that have helped Texas, that have helped all those impacted by Hurricane Sandy a few years ago, which was a terrible one, and many others. This bill had other things in it besides helping Florida in this case. And the Republicans wanting to build their own credentials as people who don't spend the government's money and are thereby saving you taxes, they voted against it on the grounds that the bill had these other things beside helping Florida, things which they referred to as pork, you know, something fatty, something not so good, something that, ooh, helps other people in various ways. Well, I have news in case you're not familiar. Every bill that goes through the Congress of the United States has pork. That's how you get things done in the Congress. That's not an argument. It is a use of the suffering of Florida which will now have to, at the very least, wait longer for federal assistance because their own politicians are making use of the suffering. Do they say honestly that they recognize the injustice? Not a word. Do they say honestly that the whole system is unprepared for what it has no excuse for being unprepared for? Not a word. These are good, loyal supporters of profit-making capitalism. They wouldn't know how to create a criticism of it if their lives depended on it. And so we have this spectacle. We're not learning from this latest one to do better, to do different. No, no, no. It's just another disaster. Those with the money and the power will get their way out of it. The rest of us will hobble along waiting for the next one. That's what I said. It's a terrible spectacle to watch. It truly is. It truly is. I mean, let's just dig in on a couple of the points that you raised there, Professor Wolf. I mean, one that I think really is worth highlighting is the role of the insurance companies. I mean, if you're a profit-maximizing insurance company, 
you can make money basically by, well, one, of course, charging people premiums to be part of your plans in the first place. And then you have an incentive to deny as much relief, to deny as much help as possible to your own customers after the disaster hits. Because the less that you have to pay out in claims, then the more money you get to keep in your pocket, the more money gets recorded on the books as profits. So it's really this grotesque system. So that's one piece that I wanted to highlight and and see if you wanted to add a little bit to. Yeah. And also there's the question of evacuations. I mean, to me, this is is one of the cruelest aspects of, of all because, I mean, let's say you're a worker, at a low-wage job, your boss says you you have to come into work, you know, almost right up to the moment where the storm hits and you really need this job. I mean, you cannot lose this job. I mean, that type of peril that the capitalist system that your boss has the right to under the capitalist system to put your life in is just so outrageous. Yeah, let me comment on both of them. The first and the ugliest part of this insurance racket is the following. Now that the federal government, and I expect the state government in Florida will follow suit, is going to have to put big bucks into Florida to help rebuild Fort Myers and and the other areas, particularly those hard hit, you're going to watch what always happens. It always happens. The insurance companies, knowing that the government is going to come in, FEMA, whoever handles the government's money, they're going to nickel and dime all the people, even those who could afford to have an insurance policy, to give them as little as possible, to make sure when they get into their using their lobbyists, working with these government agencies to write the very rules and regulations governing how much money can be given if uh, you know your roof blew off or your driveway flooded or whatever happened to you to give you the least amount of insurance repayment because the federal rules will reimburse you for that. Or you can be left in the horrible position of spending millions of hours of your time not fixing up your home, not trying to recover from the damages you suffered, but running back and forth between the government and the insurance company trying to get one, if not the other, to help you. It's a spectacle that is disgusting. And it's all done because the insurance companies, as you rightly said, want to come out of this having spent the least amount of money because whatever dollar they save in not helping a family in Fort Myers is another dollar for their profit. And since they control most of this, one way or another, directly as the insurer and indirectly because they have the influence with the Congress and the, and the rule-writing people in the bureaucracy, you can see that this is an unfair fight. And you know who's going to lose? The mass of the people. And that's the people who could afford an insurance, let alone those, of course, who are completely dependent now on the government And as the others are able to get more out of the government because they're connected, those without the connections, yeah, once again, short end of a stick that is so unfair that, you know, it really shakes the mind. Okay, and now the next one. That's right. We ought to have evacuation centers. 
We ought to have them. And we ought to have a whole system worked out to move people from every part of Florida that might be hit to evacuation centers that are maintained and prepared each year, inspected in the months before the hurricanes hit. They usually come in a certain season so we can concentrate on that. Come on, do what has to be done. And you know why it isn't done? Because there's no private profit in it. The only one who could do that would be the government. And the way they would do it is to raise taxes. And they don't want to raise taxes. They dare not raise them on the on the working class because they get voted out. And they dare not raise them on the rich and the corporations because that's where all the money comes from. And they don't want to offend those people. So they don't raise the taxes and they go around boasting about it. But the result is there isn't an evacuation center when people need it. There aren't the facilities that we know will help us cope with these things. I mean, the foolishness of it, just as a human being, should be enough to make people function, but it doesn't. And you know why, again? Because the profit, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want my profits to be reduced. So I do every evasion known to man to get out of giving the money And then we're left without the facilities to protect us. It is, again, it is a spectacle to watch that ought to make you cry. Why? Why allow, for example, your employers? You take the employers as a percentage of the population of Florida. It's less than 1%. 99% of us are employees. Okay, in the face of a hurricane that we knew days in advance was coming toward us, we ought to have had a mechanism in place whereby the majority of us could have voted about how we want to handle this hurricane. Maybe we'll vote once every five years about how to handle it using the experience of the last five years to adjust and reform. And so, for example, there ought to be a rule. If a hurricane is predicted to hit within 24 or 48 hours, that no employer can decide unilaterally to put employees at risk, to allow a tiny minority, employers, to dictate the level of risk of the 99% who are excluded because they're not in a position to hire or fire, just the 1% are. If you have an economy like that, it's called capitalism, then you have to control what that 1% does or else in their quest for profit, they will literally risk your life as they did for those folks in Florida who were made to stay at home and work up until the last minute when they could have and should have evacuated. I mean, we've learned this lesson now through 50 hurricanes in the last half century. Do we really have any excuse for not having a better system in place? No. It's just pandering to profit-driven enterprises that makes us savage ourselves as a community in the process. In our last section here, Professor Wolf, let's talk about what the future may hold for Florida. There's this term disaster capitalism that people throw out a lot, which you know is essentially a concept that in the wake of natural disasters, a lot of big corporations see opportunity. They see the opportunity to reshape 
you know, in many cases, physically reshape the areas that are affected so that they're more conducive to making money. Right. And they can also be, you know, political experiments. Like one infamous example is the effective privatization of the public school system in New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. We also see in Puerto Rico how in the wake of Hurricane Maria, there were a number of tax incentives passed that essentially rapidly intensified the gentrification of the island, the creation of luxury housing that pushed up the prices of other real estate beyond that which working class people could afford. Talk a little bit about that phenomenon, if you would, and could we see something like that happen again here? Not only could you, I don't make predictions. I don't believe anyone can see the future. But if I did, I'd be very confident in making the prediction that already the plans are being made by the housing construction business that's a highly concentrated business in this country. A few very large firms do the vast bulk of the work here. They are rubbing their hands. They just had an immense land clearing done for them at no cost to them. The land was cleared. The trees were knocked down. The houses were knocked down. The roads were rendered impassable. They now have something like virgin territory, if you like to see it that way, in the wake of the horrible damage done by the storm. And they're figuring out how to make money by this. And you can bet they're not going to build housing for poor people. The poor people are gone. They will never be able to come back. If you look at the way housing is built across America today, it's built in response to the growing inequality of this country that has been building without interruption for the last 30 to 40 years. Where's the money to be made? In upper prices of housing, McMansions, expensive condos, and all the rest of it. That's where the money is. That's what they're going to build. They don't care what was there before. Ian took care of that for them. And this is then an opportunity. So here's what you can be sure of. Fort Myers and the other devastated areas will be rebuilt if and to the extent that it's profitable to do so. And you're going to have the new community be a community built by the logic of profit, not by the logic of social inclusion, not by the logic of diversity, not by the logic of bringing different communities into interactions with one another, none of that. It's all going to be put to the side. The brochures will talk about that other stuff, but that's all fluff. Those brochures will be thrown in the trash minutes after they're handed out. And the bottom line, the prices of those homes and all of the stores built to service those homes will be dictated by what's profitable for the housing industry to do. Why? Because we leave housing to private profit-driven enterprise. If we didn't, you could actually have planned communities where people of different financial capability could live together. People who are different in all the ways that make for lively, vibrant communities. Uh-uh, we don't do that. Or if we do it, we do a little bit on the edges, maybe later when it's too late. 
the basic outlines of rebuilding that's dictated like any dictator would, only here the dictator is a system, the profit system, and we allow it to run our lives, to make us unable to protect ourselves from a storm, and then to make money investing in what's left after the storm has gone. Not a pretty picture. We're going to have to leave it right there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work. He's the author of many books. The latest is The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.